the music of Johnny Hickman. Welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our March 31st, 2011 edition of the show. 4.10 p.m. on the clock here in Irvine, California. Before we get fully underway, I have a couple of quick reminders for you. First of all, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at org. Or you can catch me on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash R.G. Larson. And Larson is L-A-R-S-O-N. Okay, yeah. Let's see. What do we got going here today? Many of us find ourselves often disgusted by the behavior of the big corporate banks, particularly when it comes to their credit cards, when they arbitrarily or in response to a minor infraction raise a borrower's interest rate astronomically we may use the word obscene to describe it but there's a more precise descriptive a word that banks would prefer we don't know that word is usury it describes a practice that was reviled so much so that it was outlawed Now we live in a sort of upside-down world where such abomination is totally legal and promoted through the worship of a mythical construct called the free market. So it is heartening to know that there are folks out there working to reacquaint us with the term usury and to reintroduce anti-usury laws and encourage community action against some of the most usurious banks. Our guest today is Aliyah Group, head of the anti-usury team at the uh, Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, where they have a campaign called 10% is Enough. Aliyah Group, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you. I was uh, really pleased to find uh, your organization and what you uh, people are doing out there. Um, can you give us uh, first, like, just maybe from your perspective, a, a little bit of history of of usury? What is this and, and anti-usury laws? Sure. Uh, for the folks in our congregations, we are a predominantly faith-based organization. It comes first from, the, first from our own traditions. We are both... Muslim, Jewish, and Christian, and in all of our traditions, usury is outlawed. And it also comes from our, our history as a country. When our nation was founded, usury caps ranged state by state to around 6 to 8%. And that ensured that while there was access to credit for folks, they didn't get saddled with that debt they were eventually able to pay that down. Today, we face a society without speed limits, as it were, on our financial highways, in that there are no usury caps for banks that are charged at the federal level and limited at the state level. Here in Massachusetts, we have a pretty good, pretty strong usury law in which it caps banks that are chartered here in Massachusetts at 18%. Certainly above 6 to 8%, but not as high as we've seen it in many of our own credit cards going as high as 29.9%. Right. And that really came out of, uh, it's very recent actually, it came out of a law that was passed in 1980 
So you can imagine most of our history, we actually had usury laws in place, which that means that, that all that means is that we restricted interest rate caps. We put interest rate caps in, saying that a bank could not charge over a certain amount. However, in 1980, that changed. And so now we operate, most banks now operate without any interest rate caps. So if you are chartered in at the federal level, you have no interest rate caps. And at a local level, if you are chartered within your home state, you, are, you must abide by those state regulations. Not all states have regulations on that. Um, not a good, you know, sort of not a, a good way to operate these days. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the term usury, this goes back in, into history, and, and as you said, uh, these major religions all have some sort of uh, proscription ag- against it, and uh, the, it's, uh, it, now the definition can vary to, uh, I, most people think of usury as uh, just um, an excessive amount of interest, an amount where it, it, it sort of almost enslaves a person because it's almost like they cannot get out from under it. Uh, other people uh, will actually consider, I mean, any amount of interest uh, usury. Uh, are, are, isn't it true that some Muslims actually outlaw all types of use, all types of interest on a loan? Yes, and that is in our traditions. Um, however, we understand that that's frankly not realistic mm-hmm. in these economic times. We need to be able to have access to credit, and there needs to be a price for that. However, 10% is certainly a good enough profit for our banks to take home at the end of the day. Right. So we, when, when the sort of general understanding of usury uh, through uh, the history of the U.S. until quite recently, it, it was just a, an excessive amount of interest, and often it was uh, laws going back uh, – maybe, I don't know, 50, 100 years ago, it was usually something around 10%. Anything over that was considered um, quite outrageous, quite unethical, and uh, not allowed. Is that about right? That is correct. There was a law passed called the Depository Institutions Deregulation and Monetary Control Act of 1980 that much eliminated interest rate caps as a law, as a way of regulating the way banks do business. And so since then, we have been allowing banks to basically charge whatever they want. And as many of us have experienced since the fall of our own economy here in the United States, many of us not in our wallets with our escalating rates just going through the roof. Right. And it's almost like you can almost think of it like as a tax, a special tax that doesn't go to the government. It goes to private institutions. And the, so anyway, but this thing where we removed all these limits, you say this happened in 1980. So this has only been about 30 years that we've been in this type of situation. And, and it seems as time goes on, 
people who were not really well aware of history become more accepting of this and think of this as the norm, but this is actually uh, quite recent where we allow this. I mean, it used to be where somebody was charging, uh, you know, 20, 25 percent interest or, or higher w- was considered a, a very unsavory individual, and this wouldn't even be a legitimate bank. This would be what we used to call a loan shark, somebody, uh, a street thug uh, affiliated with maybe with organized crime, and, and now this is, you know, the big established uh, official banks are doing this kind of things, and we don't. It, it to me, it would be quite uh, rational to to call them uh, loan sharks and to think of this uh, the way that we used to think of somebody that would uh, do uh, physical harm to someone who couldn't pay back such an outrageous uh, type of interest. And as consumers, I think right now we have a real opportunity and an obligation to to step up. When um, the economy fell, we as taxpayers, we bailed out these national banks. We ensured that their bottom line, the end of the day, that they were that their companies were rescued. However, what they have done to pay us back, to say thank you, not a lovely thank you note, but instead they are increasing our interest rates, they are increasing our fees, they are charging, they are increasing their... Um, really decreasing their consumer lending. They are decreasing their small business lending. They're doing it at our cost. Right. And it's an opportunity for us to step up. Yeah. I mean, this happened to me on a very personal level. I, yeah, I, like a lot of people, had a credit card and uh, was uh, paying, you know, making my payments on time, sharing a balance, but making my payments on time every month and uh, after the bailout... <laughs> And we helped out those banks. Then I get a note in the mail. Oh, we're going to raise your interest rates. Uh, it wasn't a, a lot, but it was still. It was. Uh, I think it was three percent. But uh, that that can add up. And it was just like uh, I talked to them. I said, "Well, did I do anything wrong? My credit rating is still good, and you know this and that. And I have been late. Oh no, we're just doing that. That's just a business decision we made." And, uh, you know, so it just is like, well, we're not making all the money we used to make because we screwed up the economy with our irresponsible uh, behavior. So now we're going to make it up on the backs of people who were being responsible and were making their payments on time. And so, yes, you're very right. We need to step up and do something about this. And so you have the uh, this uh, the campaign. It's 10% is enough. And uh, so th- the 10% figure, this is like something that you kind of pulled out of like a historical perspective because that uh, throughout much of the U.S. history, 10% was considered a a decent uh, interest rate and that over that would be excessive. Is is that how you arrived at that number? I think it comes from a couple different places. Um, one, I sort of want to lay out a few numbers. In 2009... $141 billion was spent in bonuses for our, for our executives at our, at our national banks. Outrageous. Mm-hmm. At the same time, during that same year, $11 trillion in wealth was lost by American families. That's 18% of our net worth. 8.4 million Americans have lost their jobs since the recession began. We have foreclosures running rampant all across our country, leaving folks devastated. And our consumer, our ability to access our own credit is being 
diminished by our, by you know charging huge interest rates. I mean, even on my own my my credit, I mean, my own credit card went up from eighteen to twenty nine. Wow! I asked that same question to the person who, you know, I was at the other end of the line, and they said, "Well, that's what we have to charge. That's what we have to charge." Did I do it? I asked that same question that you did. Mm-hmm. You know, did I do something wrong? No, you did nothing wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, we were hearing stories like yours, like mine all throughout our congregations. We were hearing stories of people just being crushed by the weight of debt, whether or not they were losing their homes due to foreclosure, they were losing their job, they were um, getting it's just through the roof. They were paying the price of this economic crash. And we, we knew we needed to do something about that. And one of the clearest ways that we could see to help consumers today is to institute an interest rate cap. And for us, 10% is something that is personal to our traditions. As I, I'm a member of Old Cell Church in Boston, mm-hmm. and for us, 10% is what we tie to our church. Right. It's the, mom- it's the number that we say has to go to God. Mm-hmm. For many of us, 10% is something that is, is scriptural. But it is also what we believe to be fair. I want to give you another number, $65 billion. That's the amount that our nation's banks and finance institutions are getting from Americans each year from interest rates over 10%, overdraft fees, payday loans, check cashing fees, and refunding anticipation loans and car title loans. $65 billion is taken out of our economy due to simply banks charging exorbitant and usurious fees and interest rates. So we see that this is an opportunity for us to really start to rebuild our country. And to do that by ensuring that consumers have access to credit that is fair and just. And so for us, 10% is certainly more than most of our history as a country that we've allowed, but it is still enough to ensure that our banks have, are stable and that they are able to earn a profit. Yes, yes. This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. Robert Larson here, and I'm speaking with Aaliyah Group, and she is with the uh, Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, and uh, they have an, an anti-usury team and a campaign called 10% Enough, and uh, saying that the, the banks uh, can do quite well by charging uh, only a 10% interest rate and actually... Uh, Aside from this being the the ethical thing to do, that it actually would um, improve our economy overall. If uh, uh, I may say, Elia, it, it would seem to me that if we kept this at this ten percent, it would uh, stop many people from going into bankruptcy or getting caught in crushing debt and that they would actually this would actually be healthier for our overall economy people would have more money to spend but not more money that's going into big banks that they're sending overseas or whatever they're doing with it but money that would be going back into the community because people would be buying more goods and not sending that money off to banks is that not correct that that this would absolutely yeah and so it's just we um uh 
this is there's many ways. I, I you guys talk about this a little bit. I think I read some on your website about that. You know, aside from this being unethical, this outrageous, these outrageous interest rates, that it really does damage to communities and to our overall economy. Is there more you could fill us in on about that? How it damages communities and wreaks havoc on the overall economy? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that is just so just crushing when you look across so many of our urban and rural areas across our country is foreclosures. Many of our folks in our pews and many of our families and our, you know, across the country, people are just being crushed by foreclosures. And many of these same banks who we bailed out chose, instead of helping to refinance at, you know, appropriate interest rates and with appropriate um, payment plans, chose to foreclose. If you look at what that impact has on our communities, it is the loss of the home for the owner, often for the renters who have done nothing. It is a loss of income for that town. It is a loss of income for all of the families that border that home and that now their, their property values have now gone down. The ability for the town to collect property taxes has gone down, which, you know, is just a bowling ball rolling down the hill, taking out education, public safety, all of these things that we care about that are paid through our tax dollars. And that's just one of the ways. Um, I think the so many of the homes that are in foreclosure were because they had experienced predatory lending. And instead of enabling these families to recover, they just crush them again. Mm -hmm. I think the other way is a way in which you just said, um, which is the upswing, is to say if these banks no longer charge usurious interest rates on their credit, we would be able to have access to many of the things that we need. So many families are going without access to credit because they simply And that sometimes means the difference between putting food on the table that day and not. But it also is impacting many of our um, families who, you know, are, they own their own home, they are employed, and yet they are still limiting the amount of money that they are putting out in the economy. We are counting our pennies. Every single one of us are counting our pennies. Even if today is a good day, we don't know what's going to be around the bend. And the joblessness that has happened since this economy fell has just went rampant across this country. And that is preventing consumers from really spending, to be blunt, uh, and to put that money back into our economy. Right. You consumers spend more money, it creates more jobs. Right. You know, you're buying more products. You or, you know, and, and so you see, if you have your, uh, every month you're making a, some, a you got to say you got a couple credit cards and you're making payments on those and uh, you're, you're keeping up with it and you're actually maybe paying down the balance a bit and uh, then all of a sudden you get it raised up 10%. Now, in order to 
be able to just make your minimum payment, you're paying out more than you were before where you were paying down the balance. And and so then you have no money left over to buy anything extra that might go into the economy and the balance isn't going down. And so this is helping uh, nobody but the banks. And if they're not lending out money, which they haven't been for the most part, it's, again, they're uh, not helping us out. And so and we also have this issue, and you uh, allude to this on um, uh, one of the – I think it was on one of the videos on your website of the – uh, when we had this situation before the sort of meltdown in 2008 where banks were so unregulated and they were doing all of these uh, crazy things with the uh, uh, the collateralized debt, uh, all the, the, these terms they used, but they were quite irresponsible and the um, they were... Um, being encouraged act- actually to act irresponsibly because they had so much money coming in and all of these uh, uh, they were betting on these ridiculous loans they had pushed on to people betting whether they would they would uh, make money on it or lose money so if they whether they won or lost they were making money they were betting against themselves sometimes and just this is insane type of behavior but it was all kind of encouraged by the deregulation that had been in place and and you mentioned also the um the the uh loans these uh that people were being pushed into these uh adjustable rate mortgages that were qu- quite uh, irresponsible and and did you see that in your community there where people were actually being pushed into these types of loans and cuz the, there's a a sort of uh wrong notion out there that that all these people that got into these loans that these home loans they couldn't handle were being irresponsible but i i have actually talked to people who said no they wanted to do this more responsible loan but were being pushed into this one where it it was quite irresponsible where they had the adjustable rate uh on the interest and it was going to go way up so do do you come across that in your community there that many people that were pushed into that Absolutely. I think there's those that were pressured into uh, different types of loans that they may have not taken. But there's also, I think, a lot of trust that we put in our banks. In that before the economy fell, we believed that the banks were doing, were offering us a good product. And for many consumers, you read a mortgage and you read your signing papers, and it, you need a law degree, practically, to understand all of the terms. And we rely upon those that are in the business to tell us what the good loan is. And so for many of us, it is about consumer education, and it was about trusting an agency that we thought was, was trustworthy. Right. You, you look at them as they, they, this is their field. They are the experts. Uh, right. right. And then you, you think, well, there should be some regulations in place to prevent them from putting me into a really uh, unethical situation. But that turned That's out right. to not be the case. That did turn out not to be the case. Um, Aliyah, tell us about uh, this action where uh, you were having people move their money out of uh, Bank of America. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, how did? Uh, why Bank of America? And, and how did you have people do that? 
So for us here, and we are actually, GBIO is part of a coalition of organizations working across the East Coast uh, and some in the Midwest called Metro Industrial Areas Foundation. And that organization um, actually has four targets, not just Bank of America. It's J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Wachovia, Citibank, and Bank of America. And those are the four banks that we see as a being the largest banks, the ones who played the largest role in our economic collapse, and then have really turned turned their backs on consumers and have just charged are charging exorbitant interest rates and fees as a result of the collapsed economy. Here in Massachusetts, Bank of America is the bank that has the largest presence here of those four banks. So for us, that's the organization that we are working with our congregants to move their money out of. And one of the ways in which we did that was we actually went to the state of Massachusetts. Massachusetts restricts interest rates to 18% for those banks that, that are chartered here in the state of Massachusetts. So ourselves, the GBIO, along with Treasurer Cahill, who was then the treasurer of Massachusetts and his office, went to Bank of America and asked them to say, will you abide by the usury laws of Massachusetts while you are doing business here? They gave a resounding, no, we will not do that. Mm. So as a result, the state of Massachusetts moved about $230 million out of Bank of America to reinvest that into other, other state banks that do abide by that rule. We are also encouraging individuals here in Massachusetts to move their money. Recently, we had about 150 uh, residents here of Greater Boston move their money in a joint action out of Bank of America to close their their savings accounts, their credit, their credit card accounts, their checking accounts, any business that they are doing with, with Bank of America to step up and to say, I will not support you, Bank of America, until you abide by our state's usury laws. And so we're, you know, what we are hoping is that, and what we are organizing around, is for both individuals as well as states, communities, colleges, private corporations, small businesses, to step up and say, I will not bank with you. Instead, I'm going to bank with the community banks that are here in my towns that are abiding by our state use laws and are reinvesting in our communities. And what has been uh, the result so far? Has, has uh, Bank of America uh, or any of these others shown any... Uh, Willingness to be swayed by uh, their, the money moving out of their institutions? No, but that's why we need more. That's why. Oh, yeah, I know. So it take, <laughs> we haven't reached that threshold yet. They don't. They don't feel it enough yet. So it, now, maybe you know about some uh, groups here in Southern California uh, that you could mention to us? If not, uh, what could we do here in, in the Southern California area to uh, get organized in this manner? Uh, could uh, Whoop, are you still there? Nope, not there. Okay. 
Lost uh, Aaliyah. We will get her back on the line here. Let me go to a little music and then we'll take care of that. More music there from Johnny Hickman. Welcome back to Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson. Uh, we're speaking today with Aaliyah Group, and she is with the uh, Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, where they have an anti-usury uh, campaign called 10% is Enough. And uh, we, we just got cut off. I, I think, uh, Aaliyah, are you back with us now? I am back with you. Okay, and you, you were saying you had a power outage there in Boston? Yeah, you know, midst of snowstorm, something you guys don't have to deal with. You no, know, no, it's 80 degrees <laughs> and pure sunshine out here today. I, I'm sorry to inform you. <laughs> yes, we're in the midst of a blizzard. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> yeah, we've heard these rumors about this thing called snow, uh, but uh, we're not sure if it's real or not. <laughs> we'll give you some. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm glad you're okay and the power's back on. Let's hope it stays on. But um, before the break, we were uh, talking about your action against Bank of America and some other banks and how you were having people uh, move their money out and actually the state, the whole state treasury of, of uh, Massachusetts. Is that correct? So, yes, the state of Massachusetts moved about $230 million out of Bank of America until they agreed to abide by our state usury laws. Okay, and, uh, and they still haven't agreed to it, and, and the state has their money elsewhere now? That is correct. Okay, and so then you're, you're trying to encourage more individuals to do this, to put the pressure on, to get them to change their behavior. And so I was asking you if you know of any organizations out here in the Southern California area that are doing this, or if not, you could give us some information on how to get that ball rolling. Sure. I mean, one of the places that you can go is actually our website, which has resources, which is www.10percentisenough.org. And you can sign a pledge that you'll be moving your money out of one of these national banks. The second thing that you can do is to really start talking to folks in your own, um, your own life, whether that's in your neighborhood, in your congregation, at your workplace, and find out if there are, if there are folks that share those same concerns with you. So just, and to jointly do that, to start moving money out of these banks. And if every time you close an account at Bank of America, you don't just close it, but you send a letter saying, I am moving my money out of this bank until you... Until you stop usurious practices, that will send a message. And every consumer can do that. Okay, and so, yeah, just be talking to people, making sure people understand this. And as I said at the beginning of the show, just just reintroducing people to the term usury, which I think many people just are not even familiar with, that this is something that is... uh, was long held illegal, and uh, we need to bring that uh, that out of that uh, that memory hole, uh, that that uh, rabbit hole, and back into the light of day. And uh, so, and in, in the website again is ten percent. www.10percentisenough.org. It's one zero percent is enough.org. Okay, so the numerals one zero percent spelled out. Is I is enough is enough okay, ten percent is enough dot org, numeral one numeral zero 
percent spelled out is enough spelled out dot org okay so yeah ten percent is enough dot org and I'm sure they could just uh, Google that as well and it'll it'll come up I think that's how I originally found you it was um, a community organizer was on my program who mentioned it to me first um, oh uh, I mean, now I wish I could remember his name, but I've had a few different community organizers on the show involved in these kinds of things. And so I'm glad uh, people are talking and, and getting involved more. So uh, now just just a few years ago, I mean, you mentioned 1980, what happened with the legislation there. But I just I think it was about three years ago, uh, Congress, uh, maybe, no, it was more than that. It was I think it was 2006, Congress passed legislation, legislation that uh, sort of allowed uh, usury on steroids. Uh, and uh, I think you know what I'm talking about. And uh, the, the, Now, wasn't that a bit disheartening when that happened? Yeah. I think there's the one way in which we can really fight back and is by reengaging consumers. And right now, is there the political will to make interest rate caps a priority? No. That can change. And that changes when we organize and we fight back. So part of this, a lot of our campaign is about literally reengaging the issue of usury, making it a national priority. And the way that we can do that is by folks from across the country just starting to have that conversation with their neighbors, with their friends, with their employers, within their own congregations, and in a place in which they are organized. And it starts really just taking a stance and saying, you know, 10% is enough. Yeah, and I think often if we wait around for uh, the government uh, to do things, it never happens. And people often use the example of the civil rights movement and the, the legislation that was ultimately passed was only after many years of organizing and people uh, marching and uh, some people losing their lives and uh, that you we have to put the pressure on them. I mean, the government, we are the government, supposedly, but we know that the people in Congress uh, get a, a lot of money from these big banks. And so they're, they're not going to change their, their behavior easily. We have to really put a lot of pressure on. And so you mentioned that the, the way that these banks get around the usury laws, say, in Massachusetts, is that they... Um, have their headquarters outside of the state, and uh, we always hear these things about these tax havens and the Cayman Islands, and there's other places and where uh, you know we can have these laws, but they don't really mean much because th- this is a loophole for them to uh, get out of it. W- you know, so we know there are these these countries that basically just are are there for these big corporations and these big banks to get what they need. Are there any countries that you know of offhand that we would like actually give some high marks to for uh, really enforcing usury laws and in enforcing uh, entities who do business there to actually abide by the usury laws therein? Well, uh, one is actually our own country in, in the fact that federal credit unions have an interest rate cap of 15%. So it, we actually do, and many in so in for credit unions all across the country, they have interest rate caps. They live by it. They thrive. They are able to 
grow strong businesses and provide credit and to do all of the services that banks do with an interest rate cap of 15%. So, On the other hand, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. banks have nothing. <laughs> Uh, moving our money from the banks to these more responsible credit unions is is a huge move if we can get more and more people to do that. Absolutely. And the, or other banks, you know, not just credit unions, but to look into your local banks and to find out what their what their rates are that they're charging. Many community banks actually provide better services. They provide better and more small business lending. They have lower fees, lower interest rates. For many of us, community banks and credit unions is a place to go. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that there, uh, one, uh, there is a state in the U.S. that has a, a state bank, um, I think it's one of the Dakotas, where uh, because it's a state bank and basically the run for and by the state and for and by these citizens, and that, that they didn't get involved in these, uh, this crazy, risky behavior that the, the big banks were involved in, and th- therefore they, they uh, did not have the problems that the big banks had in the meltdown of 2008. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I'm a little bit. I don't know much about the, the strengths and the investments that that bank made, but the idea of a state bank is something that is intriguing. And can be something that can be better than what we have if it's done properly. That's right. But we can also look at what we have right now. And for many of us, we have community banks that are truly investing in our communities. And they didn't didn't engage in this risky behavior. And they are still out there giving small loans, helping folks out of foreclosure, providing mortgages, providing services at, you know, fair interest rates. And they're, they're still in business. There's, there's, you know, we don't have any closed doors in our community banks yet. Right. They're, they're able to do quite well and make a nice profit and uh, actually help the community and create goodwill in the process. Uh, Aliyah, have you seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Of course, haven't we all? Don't we all want that banker? <laughs> right, right. I mean, and I mean, I, it is a movie, but I mean, I think it, it's not that far off from the truth that there were in com- community banks, building and loan, as they called it there, and and maybe still are, that really are concerned about the local community, that really know all the people in the community, and really are about okay, we're all in this together. Yes, we're we're an entity, a community. Community bank, and we're here to make profit, but we're not here to to gouge everybody and to drive everybody into the poorhouse. We we can have the metaphor of you know the um, the rising tide you know lifts all boats, and as opposed to the big banks using their their metaphor is is you know this this kind of race to the bottom. Where can we uh, uh, find uh, places where we can uh, exploit more people and, and just drive them into the poorhouse. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've mentioned that movie a lot because it's just such a great parable and that is it not actually based in, in some truth of the way things can be in an ethically run well, system. Yeah, What's that? You know, for, I said for many of us, that's, for many consumers, that was what we looked towards. We believe that banks were looking out for us. We believed that they were looking out for our communities. We believed that they were making good decisions. 
the economic crash and all that we have learned since then about the risky behavior that they engaged in, it, it's troubling. But we have an opportunity now to say, okay, well, what do we want a bank to look like? What should, what, what does a good bank look like? How, is that engage, how are they engaged in our communities? You know, what, what are the products that they're serving? What are the interest rates that they're charging? And for consumers to ask these questions and to start probing a little bit into their own financial institutions to make sure that they're investing their money in the banks that are investing in them. Yes, yes. So, and you mentioned in Boston there, I mean, in uh, Massachusetts there, you have uh, uh, an 18% cap on interest rates. Is, uh, how, how does that rank against other states? Are you aware of that? I mean, are there uh, some states that maybe even have a lower cap? Or, and are, I'm sure there are probably some states that have almost no caps. And uh, have you looked into other states much in, on this uh, yeah. regard? I'd say we are. Um, for, there are states that have no caps, which is where most of our banks operative, operate out of, including Delaware here mm. on the East Coast. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are also... Um, Sorry, my brain just went. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say that, yeah, you know, Delaware comes to mind, and we know uh, the vice president, Joe Biden, is from uh, Delaware, and it was right. uh, actually not not too surprising when he, uh, in that 2000, I think it was 2006 uh, legislation uh, passed that really allowed more uh, deregulation of the credit industry. He was uh, right there along with it. Um, so uh, you, you know it's 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 just troubling the way that they uh, they all seem kind of bought and paid for in some of these issues. And here, you know, in Massachusetts, the eighteen percent cap is really in the range that most states, if they have interest rate caps, are in. It's generally somewhere between eleven and twenty-five, as we've seen sort of across the country. But not every state has usury caps. And it's often hard to enforce, and it's clearly hard to enforce, impossible, in fact, illegal to enforce um, for banks that are not in your home state. Yeah, so um, we're just about out of time here, Aaliyah, and uh, I want to mention again, uh, your uh, group uh, is the... uh, Greater Boston Interfaith Organization and your anti-usury campaign called 10% is Enough. And the website, again, is uh, 10percentisenough.org. Um, is that right? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, so and the 10 is the numerals and everything else is spelled out, 10percentisenough.org. And is there anything else you want to make sure that we know about before we uh, have to close it out here today, Aaliyah? You know, I think... The bottom line is that uh, as consumers, we have the opportunity to take a stand. And if every one of us can look into our own finances, our own financial institutions, and make choices about where we're putting our money, take our money out of those banks that are not investing in our community and to reinvest those in communities that are and to make that choice today. That's what we're, call- that's what we're calling on folks to do. Just get active and be doing this ourselves and not be waiting around for somebody else to do it. That's right. You know, so get our money out of Bank of America. Get our money out of J.P. Morgan Chase, out of Citibank, and out of Wells Fargo, Wachovia. Just 
And you, with your bank today. That's what we can do. Right. And if they want to then change their behavior and uh, charge uh, reasonable interest rates and uh, get out of the usury business, uh, maybe we'll put our money back. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Aliyah Group, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Enjoyed, enjoyed talking to you. All right. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Good night. All right, yes, Aaliyah Group, and that uh, she is with the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization, and uh, they have an anti-usury campaign called 10% is Enough. And again, the website is 10percentisenough.org, and that's 10 is the, the numerals, 10, and then uh, percent is enough is spelled out. And so, yeah, we're pretty much out of time here. I want to remind you once more that the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. You can also catch me on Facebook. That's facebook.com uh, slash R.G. Larson. And, okay, so we've got, um, I believe Matt Kaplan is coming up. I know we've got some other programming coming up this evening. So, uh, uh, oh, I see Matt. So I think he's uh, going to be here uh, giving you the usual counterspin in planetary radio, which is always good stuff. So stay around for that. And uh, it's KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. Robert Larson, Out the Rabbit Hole. I'll be talking to you next week.